Welcome to Subject ACT on People Powered Radio 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Bindi Dobbin and it's great to have your company. My guests in the studio today are Jenny Cameron AM, a board member for the Canberra International Music Festival and great philanthropist and expert in fundraising, and Marilyn Chalkley, publicist and marketing manager. Welcome, ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. First up, let's talk to Marilyn about what's coming up in the festival. Tell us about the Canberra International Music Festival. The Canberra International Music Festival has been going for 25 years and I think every year it gets a little bit bigger and a little bit more ambitious. Last year it was cancelled for 2020, which was awful for everybody, as we all know. And so this year, I think Roland Peelman, who is the artistic director, really wanted to come up with a world and he made it a Vienna world. He's saying that this festival is about the idea of Vienna, which is a bit complicated because lots of people think, well, Wiener Schnitzels or... Sasha Sasha Tord. So he's not talking about those kinds of things, so that's all part of Vienna, but more the music that came out of Vienna. And, of course, the well-known classical composers, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and Mahler, all those people worked in Vienna. Also, Vienna was a time, at times, was a quite... I mean, it had some very difficult periods of time, but it also um, was, you know, where Freud was practising and where there were all sorts of revolutionary ideas going on. It was part at one time of the Ottoman Empire. So I think what Roland has done is bring in all these ideas. So, for example, we have Turkish music coming up in a concert called Harim, which has Turkish music. We have Indian music. We have jazz compiled, a beautiful piece of jazz and Indian music with a piece called Ahimsa, which celebrates Gandhi's 150th birthday. So I think you could argue that the idea of Vienna is very broad. We also have (laughs) the things that a lot of people love to go to who enjoy classical music, which is Schubert and Mozart and, and those sorts of concerts. But leading up to the festival, we have a lot of jazz and we even have a man called um, Josh Cohen who plays, who performs Radiohead. Now, you and I may not be of the generation that enjoys Radiohead. Speak for yourself, (laughs) Marilyn. But Radiohead is sold out, I have to say, so I shouldn't really be promoting it on this program, (laughs) but it was an instant sellout because Josh Cohen has permission from Radiohead, the band, to actually perform Radiohead music on the piano. So we have a lot of different things. We have women composers. The festival has always supported women and women musicians and women composers. And we have the UN composer, Brenda Gifford, who comes from Canberra. She has a world premiere, which we have commissioned at the opening um, gala, which is at the beginning of May. So our festival goes from the 30th of April to the 9th of May, but we have events leading up to that. Brenda will do us proud with that piece on the in the opening gala, but we also have work by Kate Neal, another female composer, and Nadi Simpson, who is an Indigenous composer, and she she comes from the Stiff Gins. She was part of the Stiff Gins, the band, or still is, but she's a Yuwulari woman. She has composed a piece called Possum Song, and she's revived a tradition 
that really hasn't been played or used for about 100 years, and that is women performing on possum skins. So she, we, we have yet to hear this piece. This is a piece we also commissioned, and she's been making the possum cloak that she uses as an instrument with her sisters, and they've been using New Zealand possums, possum skins, you'll be glad to hear, which um, possum skin, possums are a pest in New Zealand, and, and she's making not only a skin, a, a, a cloak where you stitch it all together, but also she's decorated the possum cloak. So it's it's going to be an astonishing piece of music, not and something that we you'd hear at all every what day. What day and date is that being held, or, and still tickets available for that one? There are still tickets available for that. Also, isn't there another Indigenous piece that I've seen that led, I think it might have been in 2019, but was also uh, Heartless, exalted? Yes, Heartland. Yes. We have, so we have William Barton, the uh, virtuoso didgeridoo player, who's actually yesterday won an Australia Council Award for his musicianship and performance. And he is astonishing and he's playing with his partner Veronique Serre on she's on the violin, he's on the didgeridoo. They have they're playing a piece called Heartland. Heartland was an absolute hit in the Sydney Festival earlier this year. They originally played this piece, uh, which was only ten minutes long then, a couple of years ago in the festival when we commissioned it and now they're playing a very full length version. So that's certainly that looks worth. fantastic. So we've got almost 50 events in the festival, such a different variety of uh, different music. One of the uh, concerts that I that is particularly interesting in this year where women have been such the the issue of women's rights and the right to speak and the right to nonviolence and so on have been such an issue. We have a performance called Do I Matter? And the composer is Katie Albert, and she asked women to give her confidentially, when I say confidentially, she doesn't identify who they are. The only identifier is their age, to tell her what were their secret thoughts. And then she composed a piece of music in which those secret thoughts are sung. Oh, wow. How interesting. And Do I Matter is one of our concerts on Sunday, May the 2nd. Women who come to that concert will also be asked to post their secret thoughts in a box outside the performance and the the singers will sing some of those as well. So it'll be very relevant and up-to-date and also really poignant, I think. I mean, some of the things that people think about are really, as we all know, they're quite trivial. Other things are really very moving. Other things are really very depressing. So I think that that will be a really interesting concert for people to come to. And that seems to feed into um, the the Canberra Times piece written by... Xenia Husiak. Who says, move over Beethoven, women of note. And it fits rather nicely with Subject ACT in the last two months where we've had a focus on on women because it actually talks about women's composers and how they've often been overlooked in this period of time. So there's obviously some some women composers that we haven't heard of and music by women. Well, there's a lot. There is a lot actually. One of the interesting things, um, and there's Kate Moore. She's Kate Neal. Sorry, Kate Neal, who's done a fanfare, which will also be performed for the first time, and that's again commissioned music that we commission. There's a couple of women called Sonia Lifshitz and Christine Johnson. Christine Johnson is also known as Madame Lark and she's also one of the Kransky sisters and people may have heard of her because she's she's very what's the word she's very humorous, she's very out there. She is doing performance just before the festival called Crumbs Liar with Sonia Lifshitz, who's the most amazing Ukrainian piano pianist. And 
Christine actually imitates bird songs was one of the things that she does. And it's very hard to describe because it's sort of like cabaret and she will be describing the music that Sonia is playing on the piano. But that's two really out there women who just stand up and do their own amazing thing and they will be performing in Verity Lane on April the 28th. So people should try and catch that as well. It is such a diverse program. I mean, it is very exciting. And the venues that you've chosen, um, I know I'm new to it, but I loved Verity Lane and the jazz before Christmas. And you say there's a lot of jazz mm. happening in this in this program. What other venues have you chosen and why have you chosen them? Well, I think it's important for us to be performing in a number of different places. I mean, the main place that we perform is the Fitters Workshop, which, as you probably know, has got the most astonishing acoustics and so it's a traditional shoebox shape, which is always works very well for music. It doesn't actually work so well for voice. So, you know, it would be difficult to put a play on there, but it has a sort of resonance, which is great for music. But apart from that, we um, like to perform at the National Gallery. So we're performing in their brand new um, theatre. They've had it all renovated. So I haven't seen that yet, but I hear it's amazing. And the thing about that, again, we have to be very mindful of acoustics. We've got one of our most popular series is Beethoven for Breakfast, where someone performs Beethoven every day of the week. We are doing one in the Brazilian embassy and one in the RH embassy. So people who want to have a sticky beak at the embassy can go and have a look, go to those. And so you actually have a breakfast as well? Yes, we have a breakfast every morning. Unfortunately, I don't want to promote those too much because they're sold out. (laughs) (laughs) Except there is one in the Albert Hall. And because that's a bigger venue, we can actually, uh, we still have some tickets for that one. And how does that work time-wise? So it starts at what? what... It starts at 8.30 in the morning. Right. So, you know, if people are going to work, they could sort of squeeze it in and be a bit late for work. Fantastic. (laughs) So there's still one with with tickets for that. There is Beethoven for breakfast on Thursday, May the 4th um, at the Albert Hall. So there are still tickets left for that one with the Partridge String Quartet who are playing a Beethoven string quartet and it's interesting isn't it because um, the audience who do come to the festival they really love Beethoven so Beethoven sold out really quickly. It's a great idea, isn't it? Beethoven for breakfast and having a breakfast. It's a fantastic initiative. And using all of these venues so in such a diverse way is, um, is fantastic. Is there anything else that is new and unusual, that, which is a hard question, I appreciate that, that you think, we, apart from what you've already told us about, that would be really worthwhile looking at? Well, I think Hand to Earth, is, which is on Sunday, May the 2nd, in the um, in the daytime, and that is a whole lot of indigenous musicians, and particularly the Wilfred brothers who come from way up north from Arnhem Land, and one of them sings with the most stunning voice, and one of them plays a didgeridoo, and I just think that that is a really very beautiful concert to be going to, and we also have the Tiwi Strong Women who are coming from Tiwi Island. They will be really worth hearing and they're going to be performing in a couple of places one in the National Film and Sound Archive that's another venue that we go to and also they'll be performing in Rainbow Serpent so that's another Indigenous work. Do you have deals or with accommodation houses or restaurants or? Well we have no not with restaurants but certainly with accommodation we have a deal with DOMA who, who accommodate people who are coming in and packages and so on. Fantastic. And so, where I'm presuming all of your musicians this year are coming from Australia. So they all of them, all of them, yes. Because I mean, we do normally have quite a few international musicians as well as Australian musicians, but of course this time they're all from Australia. 
And we're just keeping our fingers crossed that we don't have a Byron Bay Blues Festival situation. No, definitely not. <laughs> so that no borders will close and that all the musicians will be able to get here. As, uh, because, I mean, it's a predominantly Canberra audience, when, although when I say that in the past, we've had a lot of people from Sydney and New South Wales, all around New South Wales. That's your great but, publicist, yes, you know, your but, skills. But we just don't know we think people are holding off until you know they know everything is okay people coming from Sydney possibly it's definitely different this year we also have to do two performances of every performance in the fitters workshop because we're only at this stage allowed two square meters per person in spite of all the changes to all the other venues this has been really difficult so we have all the performers have to perform the, the concert twice well congratulations to you Marilyn and your team it's a wonderful wonderful diverse program and I think it's going to be really really exciting. Where can we book our tickets? So just go to our website cimf.org.au and you'll see the whole program there. You can just book everything there and uh, we'd love to see you. The fittest hall is in Kingston next to where the old bus depot markets was until now they're renovating the whole buildings. That's where we are in Kingston mostly but then in all these other venues I mentioned as well. Sounds fantastic and as uh, Roland Pierman said the idea of Vienna is about whatever you want. Music is whatever you want it to be, whatever you want to hear in it. If you've just tuned in, I'm chatting with Jenny Cameron AM, a member of the board of the Canberra International Music Festival, and Marilyn Chalkley, the publicist and marketing manager. Jenny, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your experience as a fundraising guru. You have raised an enormous amount of funds for various charities across Australia over a long period of time, and you are considered an expert sitting on quite a lot of boards and committees across Australia. Tell me a little bit about your history because you, you've you been a fundraiser for a long time and you've raised a lot of money, millions, for various charities. You were national, I think, uh, you were chair of the SIDS National Committee and ACT. You were chair of the Australian Fundraising Institute. You're on the ANU Development Committee. I probably got these wrong. The, a, the ANU Foundation. The a, ANU Foundation. And you're on, of course, uh, the CMIF board. What drives you and how do you think fundraising differs for charities and and I guess what's the impact of COVID been on on charities across Australia? Well good point I think the first point would be that um, I mean there was a definite change in my life when I went to live in Ethiopia back in oh, eons ago in the 70s when I was there I, I there were a lot of um, Peace Corps people from America I thought they were, you know, they, they were off there for a couple of years doing great, great work in the, in the environment. And I thought to myself, well, maybe when I get back to Australia, I don't want to work. I was working in the fashion industry before, um, and I would like to work for something more charitably inclined, I suppose, or more not-for-profit. So that's what I did. And I went to work for the Spastic Society of Victoria, and, and I was there for 10 years and had, you know, quite some success, was raising lots of money. I had some wonderful time with certain people and, you know, that was that was terrific. I really loved that. So I think I made the right decision and it went on from there. And with SIDS, you know, you really, I think, gave SIDS an awareness and, and really brought a voice to it. I mean, you really raised, I think, you know, awareness around Australia about SIDS and that red nose is just so... Red Nose Day. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I didn't bring Red 
knows that was um, um, somebody before me. But that was amazing. And like a lot of organisations that are running on very lot of passion and very little finance, um, Karen Fitzgerald really brought Red Nose to Australia. And I think they mortgaged a building to pay for the red noses in the in the first instance that was before my time which was very very um what's the word taking a huge risk and um anyway it worked and then red nose was became synonymous and i think they did raise a lot of um you know a a lot of information about sids Mm. and because sids is such a terrible thing and it still happens of course um to have red nose was a little bit more bit lighter so people could could attach themselves to that and feel as though they were doing something without it being too morbid but um, and of course, since Sids came on the scene, or Red Nose Day came on the scene, and Sids really formed itself into a, an organisation, the death rate from Sids mm-hmm. around Australia has dropped amazingly. Oh, well done! And I think that's you know that's the important part about you know when you run or you're part of these charities, is it is about decreasing sort of mortality rates or raising awareness of, of prevention and things like that. So well done to you! And as a fundraiser, you were really sought after as a fundraiser, raising money for National St John Ambulance. Um, you were national marketing manager for for St John, but you've really been a guru of, of raising funds for various organisations as well as for charities. What do you think has changed and what do you think is the way forward for fundraisers in 2021? Well, I think what has changed mainly is that charitable organisations are really in the vein of not-for-profits now. Um, they're not spoken of as charities anymore. Um, there's all sorts of sort of um, entwined sort of understandings about what charitable means. And um, and I think they've um, they've become what we call the third sector. And I think that's very, been very important. They're, they have a voice. They are sought off for some of that, for their expertise. And I think that they really do speak for the people that they, they support. And I think that's a very good thing. Back in the early days, it was, you know, it really was these organisations, so many of them just had nothing at all. What they did have was these people that had had whatever the problem was that they were supporting and they decided that something must happen, something must be done. And they got up and they waved their arms and they made sure it did happen. So they've been through lots of iterations and they've gone up and down, no question. But I think the third sector is really with us for, for forever now. Well, congratulations, Jenny, because that's also what I understand you were rewarded your AM for, for uh, and you're being quite modest here, but very much charitable services, so and still um, very much on boards and things like that. So congratulations and well done. Thank you. Just in closing, why should we attend... Why do you think we should attend? What's what's so exciting about the CMIF that we should go to? Well, I think one of the CMIF reasons to go, apart from obviously the music, but is because it's just such a congenial festival. I mean, it's it's it particularly in the you know it's getting into winter when we when it's when it starts or late autumn, so it's getting cold, and you know you go along at. A six o'clock concert or a eight o'clock concert or, or whenever you wish and you can have a drink and take your drink into the hall if you're at the if the fitters workshop and it's not so big that it, it becomes it dwarfs the individual it, you really feel part of it and I think that it's got a lot of very very strong support from people that have been supporting CMIF for a long time and um, and they come year after year and just and just love it and then we get people from interstate we get people from um, you know other parts of the country 
country that, that love it as well, which is terrific and very good for Canberra. And it's so exciting, especially because I haven't attended any of them before, but everything is open um, in Canberra. So I think we're all very excited that over a period of, of 10 days that there's so much on. And I love uh, having just seen what Ronald Peelman said about his idea of Vienna goes all over the place. So that sounds even more exciting from First Nations to Beethoven to Hayden Mozart. Thank you very much to my guests, Jenny and Marilyn, for coming into the studio today. Don't forget, you can book your tickets on cmif.org.au. Stay tuned to 2XXFM 98.3, your people-powered radio, for more great stories and programs. Don't forget, we're streaming online and on demand, 2XXFM.org.au.